0: You got to have a little bit of humor. So, good morning. I'm sure some of you are like, "Oh no." Um, I did want to share a couple of things before I got started this morning. Um, I had really one really good thing that I saw this week on Facebook, of all things. Um, it was from a it's from a, an acquaintance who is Catholic, no less. But I think it applies to all of us. He says. It's a little ironic, really. Catholics are going through 40 days of Lent, where we self-deny ourselves, to have a deeper connection between the body and the soul, the material and the spiritual, and with God. Here we are, it's still Lent, and society is going through something similar. It's kind of a state-sanctioned form of Lent. So, welcome to Lent, non-Catholics, he says. So... um, we are in week three of a series uh, based on the book and sermon by Pastor Robert Morris called The Blessed Life. Um, believe it or not, last night, I, have a, I love to watch Gateway, Gateway Church, which is where Pastor Robert Morris is. Uh, they do their services online, so I watched their service last night, and last night's service, believe it or not, he was preaching this message. So I think it's very, uh, it, it, it's very timely for today. If you haven't, as Natasha was saying, you haven't watched or listened to it yet. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to weeks one and two of this series. uh, Centerpointme.org. Number one is it's all about the heart, and number two is what test. And uh, how many of you enjoyed last week's message? Was okay. All right. How many of you felt convicted after last week's message? How many of you felt condemned after last week's message? I hope not. Because if that's the case, that's not from God, that's from the enemy. Um, I did talk to someone at, at length last week about conviction, and from the research that I did this week, biblical conviction is really the product of three things that characterize the ideal Christian leader or person of maturity. A, a commitment to scripture as one's authority. B, specific beliefs and convictions based on that authority. And C, the courage to act on those convictions in faith. Um, A good preacher once said that that as believers, we should be professional repenters. And we should. God is continually refining us and tugging on our hearts. We should be praying and allowing the Holy Spirit every week and every day, actually, to help us find those areas in our life that are displeasing to him so that we can have a clear conscience when we do stand before God. And again, the first time visitors are going to be saying, here he is talking about money again. Really bear with me until the end. Trust me, I have a couple different tangents we might go off on today, but that's okay. Um, But it was so fitting that what we sang about today was redemption and the redeemed, because that is the theme that you're gonna see in today's message. Um, So this week we're just gonna turn to one passage of scripture, Exodus chapter 13, and we're gonna kinda hang out there today. I wanna start off by saying this is personally, in my own opinion, the most important message in this whole series that you're gonna hear. And this was the most convicting message to me when I first heard it. And the title of this message is, The Principle of First. So I want to make this statement. If God is first in your life, everything else will come into order. Now, this doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble or problems. Jesus said we were going to have problems and tribulations through our life. But would you rather go through tribulation with your life in order or everything out of order? If God, ha- God has to be first in your life, and then everything will come into order. So this principle, the principle of first, runs all through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, and that's what we're going to see today. So Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. I wish I could effectively state to you how emphatic this language in the Hebrew is here, this it is mine, it's my property, it belongs to me, I am the owner. Imagine this as bold, capital letters, underlined three times. It's very important to understand this when we talk about the principle of first. The firstborn, he says, belongs to me. Verse 12, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the wound, all that open the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's, shall belong to God. Verse 13, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. So it's very important to understand if you don't redeem it, you're going to lose it anyway. If you don't give it to God, you're still going to lose it. And let's apply that as we talk in our lives about the area of finance, because the first 10%. Because he says, if you don't bring it to me, you're still going to lose it. It's still going to go out of your bank account. And this says, and all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. So there's three points that I want to get to today. And the first one is the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And this is what scripture says. The principle here in the Old Testament refers to the principle that goes all the way through the Bible. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, how do you know which to do? So in this, how do you know whether to sacrifice it or redeem it? So when you look at scripture, the donkey represents unclean animals and the lamb represents clean animals. If it's a clean animal, it has to be sacrificed the firstborn. If it's an unclean animal, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. I'm hoping you get ahead of me on this and see where we're going. So how the heck does this relate to you today? How does this relate to me today? That's not me, is it? Let me ask two questions. Were you and I born spiritually clean or unclean? Unclean. So I can prove this by asking all the experts here, the parents. Is that me? No, it's not me. Okay. Parents, did you have to teach your children how to be bad? Of course not. came naturally. We have to teach them to be good because we're all born with a sin nature. The Bible says we're all born unclean. So let me ask you this, was Jesus born clean or unclean? Clean. The clean, Jesus, had to be sacrificed so that the unclean, us, could be redeemed. That's what we just read in here. So that's how important this principle is. And since we're talking about this principle in regards to tithing, I want to say this, and I want you to think about this you may never have thought about before, okay? Jesus is God's tithe. Because you give the tithe first. You don't pay your bills and see if you have enough left over to tithe. You give the tithe first, the first 10%. And it's not just 10%, it's the first 10%. Because it takes faith to give the first. God said, when your sheep has the lamb, give me the first one. It takes faith to give the first one because you don't know if that sheep is going to have any more lambs. God didn't say, wait until your sheep has 10 and then give me the one that gets into your garden that you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> he said, give the first one before you have any others. It's not, see, here's the thing. It's not the 10% that gives the blessing. It's the faith for the first 10% that gives the blessing. It's giving the first 10%. And the reason I say that Jesus is God's tithe is because God gave Jesus first. He didn't wait to see if we would clean it up or get it right to give his son. God gave Jesus when we were mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross. Romans says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans also said that God gave Jesus in hope. The root of that word hope is faith. In faith, we give our tithe in faith. It's that first 10%. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, God said, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of God. It's always into the house of God. That's always where the tithe goes. But why didn't he say 10% of Jericho? It's simple, because Jericho was the first city. So they bring in the first 10%. He said, bring the first into the house of God and the rest are redeemed. You can have the rest. And, and then you're out from under the curse, they're blessed. The first portion is the redemptive portion. That's the redeeming. When you give the first to God, the rest are redeemed. Don't give the first portion to the mortgage company because the mortgage company doesn't have the, the power to bless your finances, but God does. The fir- so the firstborn must be redeemed, sacrificed, or redeemed. Here's the second point. The first fruits must be offered. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. That's bonuses. That's everything. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. This says to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. I want you to notice this isn't Proverbs, this is hundreds of years after the law. This is a principle that runs all through Scripture. Here's another one Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. The first of your first fruits of your land you shall bring very important, that word bring, into the house of the Lord your God. Last week we saw about Malachi. He said, bring the tithes into the storehouse. The tithe always comes to the church. You can't divide your tithe. You can't designate your tithe. The reason God uses the word bring here instead of give is because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You have to bring it. According to scripture, and this is a strong statement I'm going to make, According to scripture, you have two choices when it comes to the tithe, and some of you may disagree with me, but to me, they seem very clear. You can either bring the tithe or you can steal it. To me, those are the only two choices. When God said, bring all the silver and gold from Jericho, and this is in Joshua chapter six and seven, by the way, Achan kept some and put it in his tent. When they fought the next city, they lost that battle until they brought it to the house of God. The point is, in Joshua 6, God calls the tithe consecrated or holy or set apart. Same thing he called the firstborn. But in chapter 7, once Achan took the tithe, he said, Israel has stolen it from me. In chapter 6, it was bring it and it's going to be consecrated. Chapter 7 was you've stolen from me. It's consecrated when you bring it to the house of God. It's cursed if you leave it in your bank account. I don't know about you, but why would I want something cursed in your bank account? I don't. Why wouldn't I want my bank account blessed? It takes faith to have that 90% redeemed and blessed. It takes faith to believe that, that that will go farther than 100% cursed. Have you ever thought about why God accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's back in Genesis? Anybody ever wondered that before? Yeah. So let's look at Genesis 4, chapter 4, verses 3 3 through 5. And in the process of time, it came to pass, I want you to remember that phrase, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it specifically does not say first fruits. He just brought an offering in the process of time, when it was convenient. But Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected, this word could also be received, Abel in his offering. Notice that the person is received as well, not just the offering. But he did not respect or receive Cain and his offering. It was simple, Cain is a farmer. He was a farmer, he didn't bring first fruits. Abel was a rancher, he brought the firstborn. God said, I'll accept that, but I won't accept that. Let's take this a bit further. It's not just that God wouldn't accept it, it's that he couldn't accept it. So there are some things that God can't do, okay? I know many of you are going, what are you talking about? God can't act outside of himself. He can't act outside of his character. So let's talk about a couple of the things that God can't do. God can't change. This would be called immutability. I'm not gonna get into all that now, but it's impossible for God to change. The reason God can't change is that because if God could change, he could get better, and God can't get better because he's perfect. God can't change. God doesn't, can't think the way that we think. The reason he can't think the way that we think is because he's omniscient. If you break down that word omniscient, omni means all, science means knowledge, God has all knowledge. The reason God can't think the way that we think is because we think to figure things out. God's not trying to figure anything out. Let's say it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never gone, you know what I just thought of? Something I've never thought of before. That's never happened because he knows everything. At the same time, and here's one, God has never gone, had something surprise him and gone, oh, my self. <laughs> never. So let's take this off on a little tangent here. God is not surprised by the coronavirus. So, how does all this relate to first fruits? Here's the point: God can't be second. He can't. He this is the preeminence of God. He's not only first of all, before all, he's higher than all. He's above all. He's first. God is first. In our lives, we talk about putting God first, and that's great. We, he should be first. But listen, even if God's not first in our lives, we didn't rearrange the order of the universe. He's still here. God couldn't be second. This is why he didn't receive Cain's offering. It's because he couldn't. God's always first and Cain did not bring a first offering. God said, I can't accept a second place offering because I'm always first. We need to think about that when it comes to the tithe. Remember I said last week, uh, remember I said this week Jesus is God's tithe, and last week I talked about giving to the bride of Christ. I said that tithing is probably a little more personal to Jesus than what we think. But I want you to think about this. If Jesus is God's tithe, perhaps tithing is a little more personal to the Father than we think. It represents who's first in your life. Now I'm going to make a strong... Another strong statement here. If you, say, you can say God's first in your life all you want, but let me see your bank account. I'll tell you who's first. Where does the first 10% go? That's who's first. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstfruits must be offered. Here's number three. The tithe must be first. Leviticus 27.30, we read this last week, says... And all, notice the word all, the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. God set it apart for himself. It is holy to the Lord. That's why it's stealing because he's set it apart for himself. That's why the tithe has to be first because it's God's first and he owns it if we're going to return it. We have to return it first. It's the first thing we return. So let's go with an illustration here. I'll take my car to the mechanic, and he's not here this week, but I'm gonna pick on Jeff again. So Jeff is a mechanic. I have a rattling under my car, and I need an no oil change. My brakes are rusty, so there's plenty of work there for him to do. His estimate, he says, okay, my parts are gonna be this much, my, labor, my laborers are gonna be this, and this is how much my profit is, $1,000. So that's very important. The tithe is on the profit. It's not on all of this, it's on the increase. Your personal increase, your personal income. That's what we tithe on. So we agree, Jeff does the work. After he does the job, I pay for all the materials and the laborers, you know, I pay for the materials, I pay for the laborers, and then I pay for his profit. And I pay him out 10 $100 bills. So he has $1,000 in his hand, okay? So I have two questions for you. Tithe is 10%. How much is the tithe? $100, okay. You have 10 to $100 bills in your hand. Which one is the tithe? The first one that you give out. So if you, do, if you go home and you do this, I'll pay some for the mortgage, some for the utilities, some for the groceries, and here's God's portion. Does that work? That's not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. But that's what a lot of people do. I'll set aside some for this, some for this, some for this. Oh, there's not enough left over for God. Can I say something nicely? But, But firmly? God wouldn't accept that anyway. Because... Our God does not accept leftovers. He says this in Malachi chapter 1. You bring me the blind and the lame animals, and I do not accept them. All I will accept is the first. So how does this work in my own life? As I talked about last week, the first time I heard this message, I was so convicted about our giving, I wanted our first payment of the month to be our tithe for the entire month. We pay that first before we pay anything else. And we do our our budget on a spreadsheet. So we have a whole spreadsheet out. We plug in the money that we get and at the very top of the sheet is our tithe and it gets automatically calculated so that the minute we put the number in, our tithe is right there. And then we base the rest of our bills off that figure, whatever's left. But the tithe always comes first. And by us putting it at the top, it reminds us that's first. That's where that needs to come from. So for the first few months, it was a little difficult, but God was faithful and he made it work. So what happens if we get paid and Caroline goes and does grocery shopping for the month before we pay the tithe? Do I come home and I say, thanks a lot, hon, we're cursed. <laughs> of course not, because that would be legalistic. And I'm not legalistic. And I don't think God is legalistic either, because this is about your heart. This principle always comes back to the heart. God knows my heart, and he knows your heart. It's really about where your heart is. So the first 10% goes to the house of God. So I'm gonna go back to Exodus 13, one more time. Off in 13, we're gonna go back to verse 14. So it shall be when your son asks you in time, in time to come, saying, what is this? He's talking about the sacrificing and the redeeming. Why do you keep killing all these animals? This is what this is talking about. That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, other versions, Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborns in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, basically that's saying, this is why I sacrifice to the Lord, all males that open up the womb, but all firstborn of my sons, I redeem. So let's bring this up to a modern day story. Okay. The son grows up, goes away to college, gets his finance degree, comes back and the dad says, Hey, why don't you take over the books? I'll go back out in the field. Son says, okay. So he's going over the books, has the books in front of him. Dad comes in from the field one day and says, "Uh, hey, Dad, we need to talk. You asked me to go over the books, and uh, I've been going over them. I want to talk to you about something. Um, So I'm a numbers guy, so I'm talking numbers, and uh, I don't know if you know that you do this, but I just want to let you know, um, every time one of our animals has a firstborn, you... How should I say this? Kill it. Why do you do it? I think it's getting out of hand, Dad. You killed 72 animals last year. It's starting to cut into our profits a little bit. You know, we're in the ranching business. So why do you do that? So the scripture says one day your son is gonna come ask you this. And when he asks you, you say to your son, you know, basically, son, I need to tell you something about your father you may not know. we weren't always in the ranching business. We didn't own land, we had nothing. In fact, we were slaves and we were in bondage. But God with a mighty hand redeemed us and gave us everything we have now. So therefore we gladly give to God the firstborn of all our increase. You've heard my story before, you've heard about my addiction, and God breaking that addiction when I became a Christian. But ever since we started tithing, this has just been a principle that we've done with our girls, and I've never had to explain this to them, it's just been what it is. But I've had other people come up to me and say, why do you tithe to the church? What's the purpose behind it? And I've always gone back to this scripture. And I tell them the truth, you know, I wasn't always a Christian. In fact, I was a slave. I was in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed me and gave me everything that I have now and blessed us. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all our increase. Payments, bonuses, gifts that we get, I will gladly give that. That is a principle that is all through Scripture. It's the principle first. So my question is, is God first in your life? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask you what the Holy Spirit is saying to you now. Is God first? And if not, do, do, you, do you truly know who God is? And if you don't, we want to pray with you. I'll be, I'll be down front if you want to pray. And you, if God is not first in your life, if you don't know who God is, I will tell you about Him. And we can pray that prayer today. Going out into this world without god in our lives is hard enough even with god it's hard enough especially in our workplaces especially with everything that's going on right now this is our chance to shine to the world to show the peace in the midst of chaos and sometimes we're going to get it right and sometimes we're going to blow it i had an opportunity this week that i blew because a guy in my workplace came in and said i have My anxiety is kicking up because of all this stuff. He he goes, you seem really calm. Why are you so calm? And I blew it. I could have said, well, let me tell you about Jesus because I know him and that's what keeps me calm. But I didn't. And now I'm kicking myself for that. But do you know Jesus? So I want us to pray right now. Heavenly Father, Speak to our hearts right now. If we, need you, if we need you, let us speak to that right now. God, I need you. God knows your heart. Even if you don't have the words, he knows your heart. But God, I need you. I need your presence in my life. I invite you into my life so that you can be first in my life. Change me from the inside out. And give me your peace, which surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for letting me speak, or others of you letting, you know, putting up with me during the last two weeks. I've, had, uh, I've enjoyed doing this, and I've felt very convicted about this in the past. But I want everybody to stand to your feet. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, just to let you know, our tithe boxes will be in the back, but... Um, I hope you all have a great week and God bless.